All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuckstables? What the fucking ears? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. It's weird. I do that intro, and I've been doing it for years and years, and I used to think about all the different names I could use, but then things become a habit. I'm going to have to mix it up again. I maybe I'll no I'm not going to get rid of it. It's it's just that you know I turn on, I hit record and and that's what comes out of my mouth. I'm part of the machine. It's a symbiotic relationship. When I see the uh the little sound wavies going when I talk, I don't know I'm not exactly sure what's coming out of my mouth for the first few seconds, but I know I've been doing it a long time. Isn't that life? Isn't that life a bit? If you live a certain life, if you live any life, there's a certain amount of repetition, which ritual Ritual. Okay. Maybe you should look at it like that. Don't look at it as a tedious redundancy. Look at it as the rituals of your life that keep you grounded in, uh, in, in your process. What is it? Self-help day? Is that what we're doing? I don't think so. I, I'm talking to uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal today, and that, uh, that turned out to be a great conversation. That's coming your way shortly. Now I'm teasing what you can fast forward to if you really want to. Right now, you could be like, oh, Maggie Gyllenhaal. Yeah, I'm just going to, I don't even care what Mark has to say now. I, I understand. A couple of things I do want to say about uh, things that I need to promote for myself. The digital audio of my Netflix special, Too Real, is officially available for purchase tomorrow, December 14th. You can still pre-order it today on the homepage WTFPod.com. And starting tomorrow, you can get it directly on iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, or wherever you get digital music or video content, I imagine. Also, all merch is still 30% off for the rest of this week at podswag.com slash WTF. You just enter WTF at checkout. And Boulder, Colorado. I'm going to be there. Shit, when is that? March 24th. (laughs) My memory works as quick as I can uh, find, uh, you know, the link on uh, in my browser. That's how quick my memory worked right then. Yeah, March 24th, I'll be in Boulder. Tickets go on sale tomorrow. It's a nice little theater. I always like playing there. I noticed the schedule two days after me. Hot Tuna is playing there, and they're already sold out. People are going to see Yorma and Jack noodle around on them guitars. I've never seen them. I've never uh, I've never really locked into the Hot Tuna experience. So what's going on? What is happening? Well, first off, I want to thank all the uh, people that uh, sent in suggestions about uh, my dishwasher soapy tasting bowls and uh, silicon, silicon, silicone uh, uh, apparatuses, steamers, and things that just. Ta- I'm just thank you for the advice in helping me solve my it tastes like soap problem. I think I'm going to try to resolve that by cleaning my dishwasher with uh, vinegar and baking soda. There's, I, it's, a, it's a couple step process. I can't get into it right now. I'll let you know if it works. And then I'm going to switch to a liquid dishwashing detergent that has no smell to it and maybe use vinegar as a rinsing agent. Now, I've tried these kind of uh, hippie, uh, you know, solutions before where, you know, you don't use a product, but you use vinegar or you use, uh, you know, apple juice or not for that kind of thing. But, you know, there are holistic approaches to things that seem to uh, not be as good as the uh, chemically ridden products that uh, that smell nice and have nice labels. 
but uh, but maybe maybe I'm wrong. But thank you, thank you for for all of your advice. I will take it. So I I, I guess I I can be honest about. Uh, I was a little haunted the other day, and and I you know this is heavy, but I I, I mean I I'd like it to be hopeful in in a sense. I I just got to put this message out there because. I think it's important because things are weighing on us, and I've talked about this before. I'd, I'd like to be funny right now, but I, I'm not. Uh, maybe I'm. Maybe I'm feeling a little funny. But uh, well, here's the deal. I, I someone who I don't, who I didn't really know, but tried to help briefly. But I tried. I mean, it's not not briefly. I mean, I tried to help this person. They were having a, a drinking problem and they couldn't get out from under it. So I did what we do in the thing that I do. We went to a thing with other people to try to do the sober thing. And and, uh, and this person was very uh, squirrely about it and, and, and freaked out and they could not, they could not, they just couldn't. They, they, and I, I said, look, you know, you can contact me about this anytime. If you want to go to a meeting, if you want to, you know, if you if you're ready to do it. And this was a few months ago, and they didn't do it. And I found out the other day that this person took their own life, and it it haunted me, and it's haunting me now. Like I didn't know this person, but th- they are a defined person in my in my head because I tried to help them. And this is not unusual in the world of of addiction and recovery and and whatever where people can't uh, bear the weight of it. For, I don't know what other problems this person had or, or anything else. But I do know they had this problem. And I guess I'm just saying that uh, there is help. And the, the, the issue with this thing, with if you have addiction of any kind, is that uh, it, it locks, it, it, it's got a hold on your brain. It's got a hold on your brain and you'll put off making a decision to help yourself because you can't think straight because your brain is seized. And this can happen with anything, man. I mean, it can happen with uh, food, drugs, booze, sex, gambling, whatever it is. Getting into debt. It can even happen with even anger. Anger is compulsively uh, addictive. A lot of damage to yourself and others. And I know that if you're hearing this and you're in the grips of it, you're not going to hear exactly what I'm saying. But I, And maybe this won't work for you, but you can get a window of reprieve and there is help out there. Go find it. Because we don't know the alternative. All right? Life is life. What happens after that, who the fuck knows? At best, uh, you, 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 know, you, might get, you might get to fly. And, and feel good about everything for eternity. At worst, nothing. Nothing. So I'm on set the other day. And uh, I'm sitting with uh, the lovely Allison Bree. We're, we're doing a scene and we're, uh, we're, we're waiting to shoot. And there's a, another uh, person, an uh, uh, actor who's got a small part there. And we get to talking right away, and he just, uh, you know, something came up on set, and he's like, yeah, it's tough, man. You know, it's tough being a conservative now, and it's just weird. You can't say things. You can't. It's standard kind of uh, patter. You know, like, you know, you got to be, you got to be worried. You got to be worried about everything you say. You got to, you got to be, you got to be, you got to be careful of, uh, of uh, what, not 
hurting people's feelings. Well, yeah, you know, whatever that. Yeah, I, I understand. You know, I, I'm a comedian. I've, I've, I've had these conversations before. But then we start talking about, you know, he says, "Well, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Republican, uh, but you know, I'm concerned about the environment and that kind of thing." And I'm like, "Well, isn't that enough?" For you to not just buy in, you know, I guess my point is, is that I just talked to him you know, and, I, and I brought up some stuff that's in the news. And uh, the interesting thing was, is that uh, he knew none of it. He, he didn't ha- he hadn't heard anything about uh, what was going on with the state legislature in Wisconsin or what the true agenda of uh, his party is in in the context of what's happening now. And and maybe some of you are are sitting there now. Some of you Republicans are like, well, what is it? What do you know? How do you know that's true? There has to be a barometer of truth, but you also have to, you know, go find it and not just uh, sort of, it's not even a party line thing. You can't sort of buy into the constant destabilization of the truth by sort of, you know, independent speculative investigators with a uh, conspiracy bent uh, on the secret knowledge and hidden truths that are mostly bullshit. There are facts. But whatever the case, my point is, is that tremendously uninformed and willing to uh, to sort of uh, you know hold his ground, but not in an aggressive way. He was open. And I, I, I am you know, relatively open. There was no anger in it uh, on either side. And I think that eventually things... Issues and realities will reveal themselves that hopefully uh, all of us can wake up and hopefully it's not because uh, we're all uh, burning. Oof, man, this is not going the way I wanted it to. Let me, how about I read this email? Because this is, this is sort of what I was setting up. The subject line is just, thank you. I'm a new-ish listener. I think she meant new-ish. It says I'm a new-fish listener. But yeah, I am a newish listener as I recently stumbled across your podcast trying to find something both my husband and I could listen to while driving up to see our daughter for parents weekend in Northern California. I don't think I'm in your predictable demographic. I'm a middle aged Republican suburban mom, retired chemistry teacher. Yet WTF has become my go to podcast. You are a gifted interviewer and I enjoy every person, whether they are familiar to me or not, because of your conversational and empathetic style. While I don't agree with your politics, your sincerity and genuine concern for the country are palpable and draw me in to listen to another perspective. You are an example of how we can talk with civility because you speak from your truth, not disembodied ideology, and it immediately diffuses knee-jerk tension. I'm reading your book now and riveted by the addiction chapter. My husband is 15 years sober, my father an angry drunk, and my mother a schizophrenic. I know the horrors of these stories, and they are important to tell. It will help people. It is helping me, and I've come very far in my coping, but still there are little ghosts. I just felt I had to reach out and thank you for being an open, sincere voice and for bringing something wonderful and qualitatively different to podcasts. I enjoy your creative contributions wherever they are. So great. So, so great. Great. Best Patricia. See, we can talk. We've all got problems. We all handle the problems differently. You, you know, we, but and we all maybe maybe we all think the same. This all seems futile sometimes. Can't what will it take? I have found that that's a, and that's a good point that she made. You know, you speak from your truth and not 
not disembodied ideology, and it immediately diffuses knee-jerk tension. Is it possible? I know there are, there are hard cases everywhere, but is it possible that we can have these conversations? I think so. I think so. How about some happy talk, man? How, how, how's your life? How are your memories? How do you hold on to them? I've been reading this Beastie Boys book. Yes, I'm going to talk to them. But like, it was one of those things where I love the Beastie Boys. I've listened to a lot of their records. I listened to the hell out of a few of them. And, and, but I, 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 don't, I didn't really know them or about them. And you know, I always assumed that uh, somehow or another we were similar but very different. It's slightly, they're a little younger than me. They just, the, the New York that they describe in this book is so, was so beautiful. I remember it from when I was a kid. It was gritty and weird and sweaty and noisy. And I, I guess it kind of still is, but there was a there was a, a sort of like edge to it. There was a slight chaos to it. There was a, there was something holding it together. There was a, a, a kind of um, self-regulating democratic stew of uh, frequencies going on there. And the one thing about New York, though, that like I, you know, I'm talking to Maggie Gyllenhaal and she's in the deuce. And that's like the 70s. And I, I have vague memories of that because there was a time where where my, my I used to visit New York City. I used to go to New Jersey when I lived in New Mexico as a teenager, 14, 15 years old. I'd go to New Jersey, visit my grandmother, and they'd let us take the bus in and spend the day in New York. Go to Port Authority, 63, 73, 76, 77, maybe 78. I mean, it wasn't the early 70s where it was complete fucking chaos, but it was still pretty chaotic getting out there. And like it just when I watch the deuce, I have I have vague memories of that time. Just that that what I was talking about before that 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 bit of chaos at the edge, that bit of menace, the bit of just, you know, garbage and things breaking down and people talking to themselves in the street and traffic and roads sort of crumbling, uh, but being very and lights and New York. Yeah, Maggie Gyllenhaal is uh, is uh, she's in the film The Kindergarten Teacher, which is now streaming on Netflix. Um, she was great in The Deuce, which we talk about. She's always great. I was excited to meet her, a little intimidated, but I think ultimately it went well. This is me and Maggie talking here in the garage. <laughs> Have you been to other people's homes to do podcasts? Never. Okay, good. This is the first time. Right, and never good. anyone's garage. Okay, good. Good. <laughs> I just want to make sure that... Uh, I did not... a nice one, which was for uh, backstage, you know, which was like we were basically talking to actors. Oh, yeah. Being interviewed by someone who... I don't know if he was an actor, but he was into actors. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that was an acting one? That was yeah. where you talked about acting? Yeah. And was that a long one? It was a nice long and one. And that was in New York? That was in New York, And you yeah. went to a place with the guy? Yeah, I went to like a, I, I think I had auditioned for like a car commercial voiceover at, at the that place. place. <laughs> yeah. I didn't get it, but I had been there before. So you went in with some a little PTSD about something that happened About there. rejection. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you live in New York, but have you always lived there? I was born there. In and, the city? Yep. Yeah. On 2nd Avenue and 2nd Street. Really? Yeah. That's like right where I, kind of where I used to live. It doesn't matter, but I mean, I know well, this exactly. This was in 1977. Second and second, there second was a uh, there. Yeah, yeah, my there was a good AA meeting there back in the day. <laughs> that, that seems right at that church right there <laughs> in the basement. And what what year does that? Seventy seven. 
Yeah, I wasn't there yet. Yeah, 77. Um, And then when I, before I turned one, my parents drove out here to California. So I grew up here. With you in the back? Yeah. Strapped in? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then I moved back to New York when I was 17 to go to college. So you grew, so they came out here and they, for show business? Yeah. They're show business people? Yeah, my mom's a screenwriter and my dad's a director. Are they still? Yeah. Do they make, uh, has he made big movies? No. Well, my mom wrote Running on Empty, yeah, yeah. the Sidney Lamette movie. Oh, yeah. Um, and as well as some other things. And yeah. my, my dad, actually, I just saw a screening of um, this movie my dad directed called Waterland. Oh, yeah. Um, well, aren't you in that? Isn't that an old movie? I'm in that for t- for two seconds. I, like, walk across the screen. How old are you? 14. And so there was a screening of it, and it's an old movie. There like was it. a screening of it at Columbia Film School because they were honoring the guy who'd produced it, and yeah. they flew my dad out, uh-huh. and they did a Q and A. And we, my parents are divorced now, right? But my mom was there. Oh, really? I, yeah, I guess they I get did. along. Um, they sort of do. Yeah, and it was kind of a nice thing that she was there in a way because, like, I, I don't know if you have a partner, but like yeah. for me, my husband is like. He's a part of my work. Right, you know? He sure. actually sort of hates to talk about my work with me, but it doesn't matter. We still end up sometimes talking about it, you know. So for her to be there, yeah, and also for you know, I actually thought it was a great movie. Who I I haven't seen it, but I mean, who asked? Did did your dad ask her to go, or did she just go, or like how does that work? I don't think she's allowed to just go when oh. they're divorced. <laughs> I mean, that'd be sort of weird. Boundaries, there's boundaries. Uh, so yeah, he asked her. He oh. asked her, and well, that's nice. So it was it well received, and it must be wild to like to have your movie screened after what is it 20 years yeah yeah uh it was it was a really good movie yeah you know i mean and i don't think they screen a movie again very often after 25 years or whatever unless it's good so you grew up in show business basically i mean i i think that that is a uh i would say that's inaccurate i mean people it's hard to know because yes i grew up with my mom writing and my dad directing but they made like little movies they weren't Stars, you know, and, right? And I wasn't making movies. I mean, yes, it's true. When I was fourteen, I walked across the screen in Waterland, and it's weird. It's kind of a funny thing that when I watched that, I was thinking yeah. I already knew I wanted to be an actress, right? And yet, I'm sort of getting this tiny gig from my dad, and like it felt <laughs> terrible actually to have this weird job and for one second and have nothing to do and. And uh, I also had a little tiny little scene like that in another movie they made together where I came in and said one line, uh, actually on my birthday, uh-huh. when I was like 16. Which, which movie was, it was that? called uh, A Dangerous Woman. And they wrote that together? Or they did it My together? mom wrote it and my dad directed it. Is that what led to the divorce? I think actually, truly, <laughs> really? it might have had something to do with it. No kidding. They really didn't work well together, my parents. Oh, that's, so, that's sad. I guess you learn something about people when you work with them. Yeah, you know, like when you're in it. It's so interesting, actually, because I really work well with my husband. That's uh, Peter Sarsgaard. Peter Sarsgaard. Yeah. yeah, we we act. We've you guys acted. are great actors, uh, separately and together. When did you act together? We did two plays together. Oh, uh, in New York, two Chekhov plays, and it was like we fought sometimes for sure, but it was also like heaven. It was yeah. really. He's an amazing actor. Yeah, he is. And just to be on stage with him, you're like, okay, this is going to be fun, whatever it is. Right. Uh, and also, I was just, you know, I um, I just actually, today. Today. Uh, I'm 20 minutes of work away from finishing the first draft of this adaptation I'm doing of a book. Uh-huh. 
Um, and I, I showed it to my mother, yeah. who's a screenwriter. She was the first person I showed. So it was, you know, you're twenty w- pages away or twenty minutes away. Twenty minutes of work away, <laughs> truly. Like, like you know, it has a, the end on it. You know, I'm just right. like little tinkers before yeah, I yeah. send it to my producers. Right. Right. Um, but I showed it to her. Yeah. And um, I remembered about my mother that I actually get along with my mother notably better when we're talking about work uh-huh. than like at Thanksgiving, for uh, example. Sure, yeah. You know? Was she supportive? What'd she say? she give you notes? Yes, I, I gave it to two people. I gave yeah. it to my mother and I gave it to um, Amy Herzog, who's a great playwright and yeah. uh, who I worked with on another project. And um, they actually both gave me the same note. Which is? Uh, it was just about when this reveal happens and they oh. said I have to pull it, push it back. And uh, I thought that was interesting. And um, and they were both very supportive. I. I, I've, I don't know how to, I've, I'm like thrilled by, by working on this adaptation. What's the book? It's called The Lost Daughter. It's an Elena Ferrante novel. Uh-huh. Um, Is it recent? Uh, I wonder when that book came out. Ferrante made like a big splash recently. She, that's a pen name. Nobody knows who she is. Uh-huh. She's an Italian author. Do you know who she is? I don't. You don't either? No. How'd you get the rights of the book? I, um... I wrote to her publishers, knowing oh. that I would really. Well, I asked her publishers. They yeah. said write to write to her, right? And they would get my letter to her. And I spent like about three weeks, probably writing this letter to Ferrante. Uh huh. Handwritten? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> With like a, a wax seal. <laughs> no. Delivered by a guy in a a, a bird. Delivered yeah. by a bird. <laughs> no, I just typed it and I emailed it and yeah. um. And uh, and she gave me the rights, so that's how I haven't met her. What was it about the book? What's it about? What made you like this? Because like, and you're going to write the film, produce the film, and be in the film. I'm going to direct it. I'm you're not going to act in it. Is it? But is this the first one you directed? Yeah. Have you directed? Did you direct any of the Deuce? No, I haven't. Have, do you direct your show? The what? Which my old show? Um, on I'm Glow. Of Glow. Yeah. No, no, it's a little. That's a little big for me. I, when I did Marin, I directed a couple, but I, I was in every scene, so it's not really the same experience. Yeah. You're basically just <laughs> asking the DP is like, is it good? Right. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> right. Also, I kind of I, I, James Franco directed the first yeah. season of The Deuce, and he would be like in costume. Yeah. You know, directing, yeah. which is. A, it's, it's yeah. strange. He directed how many? All of two. it? Two. Two. Yeah, because yeah, like, it's hard, but it, I, it seems to be, I think the key is get the good DP. I think that's the key anyway. <laughs> yeah, right. No matter what. Right. Um, but no, I'm not going to act in this. Uh, the the person who would play the main part in it is, it's uh, it's too much. I mean, to uh-huh. me, I can't imagine doing all of that. I, but I. What is it about? Um. You know, I haven't figured out how to say what it's about without uh-huh. giving everything away. Oh. Um, but I'll say what's interesting to me, which I got to figure out, obviously. But um, it's um, what what appealed to me about the book and also about all of the Ferrante, because there are a bunch of novels that kind of came into my life at the same time, and I read them all. Someone recommended it? Or you just... It, 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 all of these books made like a big splash a couple okay. of years okay. ago. Um, and she writes about... She basically you read it and you're thinking, oh, my God, this woman I'm reading about is so fucked up. Yeah. And then like a second later, you're like, oh, my God, I totally relate to her. <laughs> and then and then you get this feeling of maybe this hidden fucked up stuff inside me is actually a common experience. Oh. And I think especially for women. Yeah. Talking about mothering, talking about sex, talking about. Yeah. 
uh, a feminine experience in the world. Uh-huh. I think that there aren't all that many examples of an articulation of something that's really, really real. And that's what that's what made me want to work on the book. Well, that's interesting. I mean, because you do that, you've done that in many movies. That, like I, as a comedian, I, I sort of make a living off of sharing my fucked upness. Right. And that's and, what I make my living off yeah, of right. too. <laughs> right. It's just not funny when I do it. No, it, but but it's important because I I don't know what stops like you know to, in, in terms of talking gender. I mean, I'd imagine that there are certain expectations that everybody has, but there's a, a, a cultural shame component. To, to exploring your fucked upness. And as soon as you let it out, like every, there's so many people are like, oh my God, thank God. Yeah. I feel so much better. Yes. I thought I was the only one sitting here in this shit. Cause everyone's so separated and isolated in their own little worlds. Yeah. And it takes people through a film or through a podcast or whatever to voice some of that stuff. Yeah. And, and it, it really helps in a very deep way. I totally agree. And I think. That is so often what I'm trying to do when I'm acting. Yeah. And I I think she in these books I read of hers went further than I'd, you know, or certainly as far as I'd ever seen. Mm-hmm. And it was inspiring to me. Yeah. You know, and I think it's a relief, right? Totally. It is. It's a relief. <laughs> and also I think sometimes when you watch someone else doing it. Yeah. Uh, or read yeah. about another about a character. You get to have a, like a little objectivity, sure. you know. Mm-hmm. And I think it 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 allows a little more empathy. Yeah, you know, you get to go like, right. oh, I have a little space to look at that. And yeah. I, I, you know, as opposed to when it's happening in your own life, uh-huh. you know, something painful, and you're just in sure. the middle of it. Or else, like, if you're if you're one of those people that's not aware of how you're broken. Then you end up just, you know, judging people who are broken the <laughs> yeah. same way. Yeah. You know, like, what the fuck is wrong with that person? And it right. takes God knows what to make you go like, oh, it's on that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, that's what the Ferrante does. Yeah. Uh, or I think that, you know, sometimes that's what I sort of think all of us are doing, like, on the deuce. You know, yeah. we're like a group of people who the culture has totally marginalized and pushed to the edge. I mean, I follow Stormy Daniels on Twitter. Sometimes she she always responds to this mean stuff that people say. Ugh, I want to so just write to her and say, please stop reading it. But yeah. and yet I see all this awful stuff yeah. that people say, and I think, I mean, look at this dehumanized group of people yeah. you know cult- the culture has dehumanized them and I think in a lot of ways on the deuce we're going like but hang out a little bit with right. the, the, an imagined version of this group of people can you still dehumanize them can you still call them these awful names can right. you still write them off if you see them as human beings well that's always been like this weird you know that creative struggle like uh, like you know Baudelaire or, or anybody you know the, the, the poetry of the disenfranchised and the the uh, vice-ridden, you know, what, whatever it is, yeah. that there's a humanity to it that, that has an understanding that people who are frightened or trying to behave a certain way don't have. Right. You know what I mean? I was thinking about, yeah. actually, um, my daughter, who's 12. Yeah. Peter played her... Um, why was he playing her queen? Maybe because that... Oh, he'd seen a documentary oh. about queen, which I guess was coming out because of the movie. Yeah, yeah, sure. And so he was playing her a Bohemian Rhapsody, and then he played her We Are the Champions, which, of oh. course, I'd heard that song, but yeah. I was never, like, that into queen. So I... Sure. Anyway, I listened to it really carefully because Peter was playing it to her. And I was like, you know, Ramona, the thing is, this is not a song being sung by, like, the head of the football team or right. whatever. This is, this is a guy <laughs> who is a gay, like outcast yeah. in 
the when was that song written? I don't know. Early eighties, late seventies. This was to 80s. say we are the champions from yeah. that perspective yeah. is so different than saying we are the champions after you just won your Senate race. Wow. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's such a beautiful Did thing. Did she get it? Oh yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. That's a good lesson. Yeah. So the deuce, yeah. I mean, uh, I I I think you you bring a lot of rawness to that that part, you know, and but a lot of strength too. And the whole thing is kind of it may like I vaguely remember New York when it was like that, but you weren't born yet, right? No. So that's like what seventy one. The first season is seventy one, yeah. and the second season is seventy eight. Yeah. Or, so like yeah. seventy one, I kind of remember it. Seventy eight, I definitely remember because I was taking the bus in from Jersey when I visit my grandmother to go walk around that place. Okay. I remember seeing. Like when I was in college, maybe freshman year, I went to a live sex show because I wanted to know what exactly that was right. in Times Square. What year is that? That had to be like 1980, 81. They okay. were still there. That's like the third season's going to be 82. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, like it was it was sort of like <laughs> it, it, in the, in the I don't know what season it is, but once they figured out the booth. So it was that second season? Yeah. You know, it was that thing. And like you go in and you put these tokens in, the thing comes up and there's just yeah. people fucking or whatever they, I don't know what was going on on a rotating table, yeah. but there's an awkwardness to, to it because you're like yeah. those people in there are doing whatever they're doing. They've got this half semicircle of faces just looking in these windows. Yeah, yeah. And I remember one, uh, a woman came up and goes, are you tipping? And I'm like, yeah, I guess, I guess so. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't really there to do what people do there. I was right. there to see what the hell it was, but right. it, it just seems so human and awkward and weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I read a couple of um, autobiographies of people who did it, uh -huh. you know, and the way they describe it and like the sheets were dirty or, you know, even things like um, that a couple of people did it like with their boyfriends, but right. they would have to do so many shows a day that they started to figure out that they would have to be they would have to fake it of otherwise course, yeah, they really the, couldn't keep it going how they're gonna do it it, yeah. just, it wouldn't be a it wouldn't be a very uh a fun thing to watch a guy trying although very interesting <laughs> yeah yeah like just, you know, really, god damn it come on and like, very very that make very everyone human. feel good yeah yeah like <laughs> he's just like us happens to everybody <laughs> yeah, totally <laughs> <laughs> so, so what do you, what do you think like what do you think that show because I've watched a, a bunch of the, I think I watched all the first season I don't know if I've caught up totally on the, on the second season what what do you think that David or, or you in that sense is what's the point of it why that time why why what it, what is fascinating culturally because like you know he's a multi leveled guy Simon is yeah and you know and I I don't know because I don't I see the mafia stuff I see some politics usually there's many tiers. Of of civil society operating in his things. What what do you think is his? What's he? Well, there's also all the civil stuff with the state government right. and what's happening with the cops, and right. The real estate, yeah, and yeah, it's all Who's going to clean up in. who and who's right. the labor force and yeah. who is sort of middle management? I mean, that's how David talks about yeah. it, and I think in order for well, what is the point of it? To me, it has so much to do with sexual politics uh -huh. and I actually think like transactional sex is uh, so much of what we're all talking about now too you know like, in what way um, like in isn't that in a way what we're talking about in terms of well you give me a blowjob I give you a job in this movie sure. or whatever sure. I mean, okay, yeah. and how and I think it's what I think is really interesting and this is a little bit off of the deuce yeah. but is you know look women 
women couldn't vote a hundred years ago. Yeah, it just happened like it's less recently, than a hundred years sure. ago. Yeah, and you know, actually, in um, Mary Poppins, I was just watching Mary Poppins with my kids. Yeah, and. There was something where, like, you remember the little kids go with their pennies yeah. to the bank, and yeah. the guy from the bank wants their pennies. And my daughter was like, "Why can't? Why doesn't he want her penny?" Yeah. And I was like, "I don't think that women could have a bank account." Oh right. You, oh, you told her that. I I could be wrong, but I don't no, think women I, could I, even have. They couldn't have credit cards. Okay, so like without their husband's so name then, or something. So then, how as a woman? Do you get what you need if you can't make any money? Right. Or if there are very few roads open to you to make money. So sure. sex becomes a part of that conversation. Right. Sexual sexual wiles, how do you get a man, whatever, all those things that are so Marriage down itself upon. Absolutely. There's a contractual sort of ownership trip where it used to be. If you can't make money yourself. Yeah. So so then to like just totally vilify sex workers, and I, I love how it's called like the oldest profession in the yeah. world, and yet it's like so hated. Um, so I think it, in some ways, the sexual politics of all of it and how and Candy then all of a sudden is she has really big needs you know she has really big desire uh, artistically Um, I think even though she's not an intellectual but like in her mind in her heart and every way and um and what is she supposed to do with that? And what are all of these women supposed to do with that in 1971? Well, or- well, it's interesting, too, that like, you know, what you're saying in that what we were talking about before is like, are prostitutes hated or are they just disregarded? Because it's one of those things where if you talk about it the way you're talking about it, transactional sex, there's very few. I would think there's a lot of people that are in relationships that are not perfect or even desirable because of of transactional necessity sure right and i guess i i guess hookers uh, uh, prostitutes i i think the thing that that's the the most sad to me is just they're not you know they're not accounted for as humans yeah so yeah. i think you said are they hated or are they yeah yeah i think they're hated oh yeah i think not accounting for them as humans that's is a hateful. kind of hatred yeah, yeah. you know <laughs> yeah, but yeah. but i also think it's interesting david was saying to me we had an interesting conversation when the first reviews came out for the deuce this season and they were saying like this is a this is a season about the women yeah and david was taking some issue with that and saying um it's it's not actually it's about the interaction between the women and the men and mm-hmm. the way that they together sort through this broken element of our culture. And I think that's still true. I still think like it's something we've agreed to do together. Yes. Women were backed into a corner when they made the agreement, but like it's together. We're going to have to change it. Anyway, I think a a lot of, uh, I agree with him and I think the ways in which the men on the show are, I mean, they're not heroes. I mean, who's a hero on it? But it's, it's interesting how like the, it seems that sometimes the the prostitutes are are more human mm-hmm. uh, to the cops. Yeah, that you know that their relationship with these cops that they know because they get busted every other day, you know, have a, a sort of human understanding of the situation. Unlike you know the, either the Johns or even James Franco's character, who's once removed from it, mm-hmm. and the pimps have a very specific thing, and they you know they which is based on fantasy, uh-huh. which is less real, I think, than yeah. right than the cops' relationship with yeah. them, where they're like, okay, we're in jail, this is all pretend, can we have Chinese food, please? Yeah, exactly. You know, and you know, which is a great scene. I wasn't in that scene, so I could really appreciate. And, it. And they understand the 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 they understand the reality 
of what of what's really going on from all sides. The cops do, and and it, you know, unlike a lot of the men in the in the rest of the cast, right? Well, like, what are they selling? It's it's interesting. They're selling something very real, which yeah. is their physical body in the most intimate way, physically, yeah. a- along with a fantasy. Yeah, you know. And you kill a guy, don't you? Not on purpose. He dies right. from getting a blowjob. <laughs> it's, I don't think that she can be held responsible for that. <laughs> okay, that's true. <laughs> so when you're doing it, I mean, how, what was it? Um, because your character sort of like, it has a great arc because you're you're going places. But I just watched the one where you, your dad won't let you in the house and it's, it's horrendous. Oh, the very last one. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, you know what I love about that? I'll tell you something. Yeah. Um, I love, basically, Candy Does candy in the first season, it's totally obvious. And then the second season, it's just her, like, way, modus operandi, is that yeah. how you say it? Like, mm-hmm. her way of being. She does not have the luxury to feel sorry for herself or mm-hmm. to be sort of even sad, you yeah. know? Like, that, somebody who... Uh, has a little more leeway in terms of their survival, has the space to go like, oh, I'm feeling really bad today. And, you know, right. um, Candy doesn't have that. And so she gets told no over and over and over and over again. In the first season, she, you know, gets beat up and she gets, you know, this and that. The second season, it's more like she's like, I got a great idea. No. Oh, OK. Let me come at it this way. I got another great idea. Yeah. No. Right. You know, um, and yet she never falls apart. Right. She's like, it's cool. It's cool. I can totally handle this. I yeah. can actually handle anything. And yeah. I started even feeling that way when we were shooting it. Like, I remember the first season they were like, your candy's always like cool with everything. And so they would make it worse for me. They'd yeah. have a, a rat go up my arm while I'm giving yeah. a blowjob in a movie theater <laughs> and then get hit my oh, head yeah, on yeah. the, you know, so many. Then I get the shit beat out of me. Then yeah. I get this. And I almost felt like they were going, are, are you going to break? Yeah, we and I was to... like, no, uh-huh. I'm not going to break. That's your choice. But, but then, of course, in season one, she does break. That's what gets her off the street oh, yeah. for a minute. Um, but in so in season two, I just was like, I'm never going to break. Yeah. I'm going to like, she's going to, she doesn't have the luxury. Yeah. And that reveals that there's so much at stake for her. That reveals that it's life or death, right? Yeah. Like if someone says to you, will you like, I don't know, eat this scorpion or you're going to die. You're yeah. like, eat the scorpion. Right. <laughs> you know yeah, yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. And yet then at the very end, there's this scene with her daddy, you yeah. know, and she's like, and she can't handle it. Well, what did you put in, like, I, I found myself asking questions uh, about the character, about what, as an actress, did, why didn't she, why wouldn't that character do something else? What do you mean? As a job. Oh, why, in the beginning, why is she? Yeah, I mean, like, do you, what did you put in place in your mind for that? Anything? Well, you mean in, like, season one? Yeah. Before she finds out that she's a filmmaker? Yeah. I think... I think in some ways that's a question that a lot of people have asked me. Oh, really? Well, in a way, people are like, well, why doesn't she do something else? She's got the money. She's got a nice apartment. I mean, nice enough. And also, I think that sexuality in in general at that time, just post-60s, mm-hmm. there was a different point of view a, a, about it. I think culturally, we've we've grown to assume mm-hmm. uh, from from 
you know, people talking and, and uh, that, that people in porn or in prostitution are somehow fundamentally victims. Mm-hmm. Where, whereas I, I like that it's not addressed uh-huh. because you're coming off the sexual revolution. It's yeah, like, I, why I, not? That's exactly what I was going to say. I don't yeah. think it's as simple as why not, yeah. but I think that's how it started. Yeah. I think like she came from this really uptight family. She, and she like was like, I'm out. Yeah. Here. Right. With a, with a, I, you know, I, and again, not addressed how her father is such a monster, but you do see in the first season that he's basically destroyed her brother who's gay. And, you know, and I just think she was like, fuck all of this. Right. And she's gets wild. Yeah. And I think that it gets then absorbed into survival. And I think she gets pregnant and she had, you know, and I think she finds that it's a, actually like a viable way for her to survive and uh-huh. i don't think she has a lot of other skills or tools yeah. or um and i think actually when you meet her in the beginning of season one she's surviving but i yeah. think she's kind of dead inside right and i think that's always an interesting place to start a character she's dead inside and then by s- episode two of season one she goes and makes her first movie and she's like lit up Oh my god! Yeah, you know, and it's not yeah. the sex. The sex is incidental yeah. in right. the porn she's making. Yeah. She's like, oh shit! Yeah. You put the that makes a frame around it, right. and like you put the frame here for whoa versus there. Yeah. You know, and I think she's also. I think in that scene, she's even like, oh my god, we're all made of light. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think she just goes, right. yeah, yeah. and then there's no going back, and then she's lit up, and she's, and I think that's kind of. Great, you it's, know. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. But she, yeah. she, she's a strong character from the beginning, even though she's dead inside. She is, but I think partially being dead inside is what's allowing her to like make her money, sure. send to where it needs to sure. go, yeah, yeah, sleep yeah. with all these guys. I mean, I was learning about it. I mean, you know, the sex workers now will take issue with this. They always have whenever I've said this. But to me, it seems like a very difficult job that requires disassociation in order to do. Now, whenever I say that in the press, I get a lot of tweets from sex workers who say every job takes disassociation. And Yeah, but, it, but it's sort of a weird false equivalence in a way. I mean, to, to be honest with you, neither of us have ever done it. So, you know, I can't like – but to me, it does seem particularly difficult. And, and when I started to learn about it um, – you know, in 1971, maybe like six to eight, yeah. eight men a night. Yeah. You know, it's a lot. Yeah. And I think it's also, it, it has something to do with, right, with, well, sex workers and, and the porn industry and, and the uh, prostitution industry has has sort of sought and succeeded at, at normalizing itself a, a bit, mm-hmm. it, you know, so they, and I think they deserve respect as people and I understand their argument. But I think that when you, depending on how you feel about sex, is is really going to decide how you feel about you know whether whether it's a job or disassociate. It really has to go deeper because we have this idea that sex means something mm-hmm. other than just a job, mm-hmm. and it's kind of hard to shake that. Well, and also, I mean, I would imagine that that sex workers still feel sex means something in their personal relationships. Yeah, well, that's, that's mean, the so. other one where you're like, really? How does that uh, work? But then again, yeah. it's also like, what about my weird job, our weird job, where yeah. like, you know, you could go to work and you can, you know, like the scene that you were talking sure. about with my dad, I can weep all night yeah. long, I yeah. can go through this whole thing and then I can also just have a relationship with my father, my right. real father. That's true, you that's know? true. So, and, and, and I think our job is really weird. And it I've been weird. thinking that more and more lately. Uh, acting? Yes. 
It is weird, and and, and it's it. What what else is what's also weird about it is I've argued, and I'm not obviously I'm, I'm not the actor you are, but I've argued to people that think it's somehow like especially you know right wingy kind of people like Hollywood types, and they're, they're they've got it easy. It's a relentless weird job. Yeah, and you you know whatever they think we're doing. It's very time consuming. It's it's very sort of like it, it, it can be a chore. Yeah. No, it's work for sure. It really is. 16 hour days, you know. Yeah. yeah I mean, you're not, you know, you're, you're not at a, at a lathe. No, no. <laughs> unless no. that's your character. But but it is yeah. work. Yeah. Well, what are you thinking about it in terms of weirdness? Why is it dawning on you now? Um, huh. A why now? I don't know totally the answer to that. I mean, just in terms what of the work exactly? thing. I mean, so it's not even so much the labor, right? So you mm. say like, okay, the kindergarten teacher uh, we made in 22 days. Yeah. I mean, so much work. You can't even stop for one second uh, changing my clothes in the bathroom on the Staten Island Ferry, you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, for real. And, and and many other strange yeah. places. Sure. And going for however many hours a day. Was it 14. a budget problem, a budget issue that you shot it like that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Sure. Of course, nobody yeah. wants to do that. Yeah. Um, and yet it does <laughs> Couldn't make put it- put a trailer on the ferry? It makes it have a great, <laughs> no trailers at all. Yeah, yeah. You know, makes it have a great uh, feeling and age and uh, uh, energy. Yeah, I was going to say agency, maybe that too. Um, but- it's not that. It's not that that bothers me. It's I. Okay, let me put it this way. I yeah. was really just feeling like okay, weird to put on someone else's clothes, mm-hmm. go through all of these feelings, whether they're sexual or painful or whatever mm-hmm. they are, and they're not me and my yeah. story, and they kind of are me right. and my story. Yeah. Um, and then I read this quote. My friend sent me after she saw the kindergarten teacher this Ann Carson quote. Yeah. Ann Carson did all these um, these uh, uh, translations of Greek tragedies, uh-huh. and she was writing about tragedy. And she was basically saying, like, we were sort of saying, talking about this before. She's basically saying, why do we have tragedies? Why do we watch tragedies? Uh-huh. Um, and maybe comedy is similar in that you're saying, like, you're going to the core of what's most fucked up. Yeah. Um, and she says, with a little well, relief involved. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And maybe even tears are another sure. kind of relief, yeah. right? So she says she says we 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 need tragedies because they basically they expose our rage and our pain. Mm. And if you have an actor doing the job uh-huh. of putting it on a stage for you. It's like I was saying before, it yeah. gives you a little objectivity yeah. about your own rage and pain. Oh, yeah. There you go. And so then all of a sudden when I read that, I was like, no, okay, I have a normal job. That's yeah. a really cool thing to do. <laughs> I'm happy to do that. That is a description of what I'm trying to do. Yeah. But sometimes- Finally, when, I know. When I'm like, I don't know. Like, yeah. It's so fun to put on six-inch heels and hot pants and yeah. a crazy wig and walk down the street. Actually, the more fiction- the easier it is. Uh-huh. You know, like the kindergarten teacher where it's just me and my hair and not so different than me. And that character is a little morally challenged too, eh? Well, I would say she's she's morally challenged in a way Candy is not. Right. She's, yeah. she's, she's, she's really trying to figure out what's wrong. And yeah. Something's wrong, but she misidentifies it. Uh-huh. And what's your experience with poetry in general? Um, my, some of my very, very close friends, my very best girlfriend is a poet and she's a professor at Bard and she sends me her poems very intermittently. Yeah. Um, and they're like, it takes me a while to 
chew on them and think about them, but then they're like a sort of straight line into her mind, uh-huh. which is cool. Into her mind. Mm-hmm. And you know her, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a very, very like deep level conversation. It's someone I know really well. Yeah. You know, like yeah. if you're like, how are you really? Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Right. Um, and I've never been like a really a good reader of poetry. I've never been someone who is moved by it. Every once in a while. Yeah. I'm moved by it and I sort of takes my breath away. Um, but I find it hard. I wonder how the poets uh, define themselves. Like you just had that moment with the, what's her name? Ann Carson. Yeah. Yeah. Like, cause poet, that's even more esoteric, but like it's all, it's been so essential for so long for some reason. Yeah. You know, that poetry is like, has been there since the beginning. And there are these people that are carrying this torch and it must be important to somebody outside of academia. I would think, cause I've, I read it. I still have a bunch of poetry books. I wrote poems when I was younger. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There, there is an equation element to it that there, there there's a weight to solving something with it well because it's almost like a kind of alchemy yeah. like you put a few words together in a certain way and it sort of makes this yeah. feeling or yeah. makes this expression of something which is why i think it's sort of an interesting plays an interesting role in the movie like yeah. basically the movie is about a woman who's an artist who isn't heard yeah and why not yeah and what happens when a woman with a vibrant mind is just pushed aside and not heard. Now, the movie is a kind of thriller, horror, roller coaster version of the answer to that. But, um, and but it's it, a, it all revol- revolves around that kid's poetry, right? Well, I, th- I, I see. I don't know. I think it revolves around her unmet need. Uh-huh. And I think she sees in that kid what she needs to see because she's so hungry. Yeah. And of course, she tries to feed herself. I mean, you can't feed yourself off of a five-year-old child. A five-year-old child is supposed to get fed by the grown-up right. woman. I you wish know? you would have told my parents that. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I think that's part of why the movie resonates because, you know, like Peter used to say in a horror movie, like, what's the real horror, yeah. right? So, right. like, in, in what's the one with um, Ellen Burstyn where she's the actress, super famous horror movie? Um, oh, The uh, Exorcist. Oh, the Exorcist. Yeah. Well, in a way, like, at the root of that is, like, this mother who's absent or you know, she's a working involved. mother. And, yeah. and that's sort of every mother on some level Uh and so it feeds into that fear and either you are a mother or you have a mother and you know or the same with like um, Rosemary's Baby you know it's like what is this thing growing inside (laughs) me that everyone can relate to so here I think I think every grown up feeds off children in ways that they shouldn't and and their pureness of spirit that like I, I think that if you get to a point where you, you know, you're so bitter or so compromised or so hungry for for relevance or definition that you, you can envy a child. Mm. Right. There, there's a purity of vision that, you know, that you wish you could have as a grown up. But, you know, you 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 can't really. Mm. That's right. So interesting. I mean, honestly, yes, I think that's very, very interesting. Uh-huh. And I think envy is such an interesting part of all of this because. I mean, for me, I again, I kind of relate this a little bit to sexual politics because yeah. all of that's been on my mind. I think, right. So here's a woman who's not heard. Gael Garcia Bernal, his character, gets to decide what poetry is worthwhile and what poetry isn't. Yeah. I, I just think, a guy. That's always the way. It's just this one fucking guy. I mean, where it, it's always one fucking guy. I mean, the thing is, I do think it's often one fucking guy. You know, in every <laughs> business, in right. every situation. Right. Why didn't the movie go? Well, Joe. Right. Yeah, who's the fuck is Joe? He's right. part of the team. What the fuck is wrong with that guy? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's 
I'm just saying it's not as often one fucking woman. No, that's what she, <laughs> yeah. No. And so I think, I think not that that's never the case. Of course it is. But this is sort of, I think about like, yeah. what is feminine work and what happens when it isn't hurt? So the kids work. I think there's a way to watch the movie. Yeah. I don't think it's the way the movie is actually naturally constructed. But yeah. there's a way to watch the movie where all of it's coming from her. Uh-huh. Where in a way she's, I mean, in a really trippy reading of the movie, yeah. she's actually really just kind of imagining all of this. But also, uh, right. also, it could just be five-year-olds say amazing things all the time. They do. Yeah. How? Who writes it? If you write it down and you put this line break, or yeah. oh, you didn't hear yeah. that word, and you put this word yeah, in, yeah, and yeah. who is the author? Right. Maybe that's just my subjective take on it. Well, I think that would be would have to be the character's take on it. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what what uh, with your kids? Like, well, the the neat thing is trippy because like my brother's got teenagers. He's got a teenage boy, and he's upset right now because uh, he can't communicate with the kid. Like and it's like it's really kind of hurting his feelings. Like you know, why can't I? I just I can't talk to him. We can't talk. And I'm like, I think that's part of it, man. Yeah. You know, but I mean, I, I imagine that parental needs that there. I don't have kids, but it seems like it's a heartbreaking endeavor. I think it is. <laughs> I do. I think once you have children, you yeah. can't not be heartbroken. I can. Either because you miss that thing. Also. It does fuck you up. Yeah. It just cracks your mind open in an incredible way, but a disorienting way. Yeah. And then you're living in that disorientation all the time. Yeah. Deep love, constant change, missing the old thing, confused about the new thing. You know, it's hardcore. And then just, the, I would imagine just the pain of empathy watching them oh, struggle through especially, every age. Especially for me. Yeah. Once they... Like, I have a 12-year-old. Uh-huh. I don't like to talk about my kids too yeah. much, but um, publicly just because I want to protect them. Sure. But to now see a 12-year-old, a seventh grader, yeah. I have uh, deep, intense memories <laughs> of that yeah. time, you know, in a way that the pain from when you're six, I don't feel it quite the same way. No, seventh grade was like one of those, like, that was a big year. Oh. Yeah, a lot of things happened in seventh grade. Oh, well, that's exciting. Yeah, keep those channels of communication open. Stay on top of that. Yeah. But, of course, also you're doing everything for the first time. I know. So you, like, mess up. I know. know. You're like, you don't know how to feel. You don't know if it's good or bad. or like. Yeah. Well, good luck. How old's the other one? Six. Wow, that's a big big gap. Yeah. Was that on purpose? Yeah. Well, I started pretty early, yeah. you know, and when I, you know, so I wasn't in any hurry like, right. to do it again. Yeah. Um, and when I first had my daughter, I was sort of like, okay, one is good. Yeah. <laughs> one is enough. We really waited until we were ready. Well, that's nice. It's a nice gap because then you'll have like one will be moving on and then you're going to yeah. be going through 12 with the other one. But heartbroken. Can, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Heartbroken. And, yeah. Uh, you know, FaceTiming a lot. Yeah. So like you say, it's good, though. It's productive that uh, that Peter's an actor and that you're both in the same racket. I mean, you say like because we were talking about your parents, but you guys work well together. So how does that look with actors? Um, I mean, just at home. I mean, I imagine you don't mean work well together only on stage or whatever, but do you? Right. Uh, well, I mean, there's the very simple stuff of like, oh, I'm so sorry. I said I was going to get home to put the right. girls to bed so that you could be out and go do the thing you wanted to do. But like, we didn't get the scene and yeah. I'm here. And when you're coming home, I have no idea. Well, he understands no, that. I have no idea. Like, yeah. he truly understands that. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I think, yeah, I first 
I have a huge amount of artistic respect for him. Yeah. So, like, if I didn't, right. and I, be, I think that'd be hard, <laughs> you know, because he'd give me some idea uh, about something I, I asked him about, and <laughs> yeah. I actually haven't seen any of the stars. I haven't. I've only, I saw the Streisand one, but no, just the, that one is. You know, they're both in the same game, but one becomes huge, uh-huh. and the other one just sort of stays. I think. Right. It's right. a heartbreaking thing. But do you do you approach the the craft in the same way? Yeah, I think we do, uh-huh. and I think he he he's older than me. He's yeah. seven, almost eight years older than me. Um, and at first, he God, he like blew my mind with yeah. some of the stuff he was saying about acting. I was like, oh shit, yeah, that's how <laughs> oh he, wow, he did. That's how he did the number on you. He uh, got, it's part of how he did. He yeah. also showed me all sorts of cool, like you know, Japanese movies oh, and yeah. stuff in his bed on the Lower East Side. Yeah. Know? he totally did. I'd never seen anything like oh, yeah. that. Blew your mind. Yeah, never came back. Yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> and. Now, though, um, also we had the same acting teacher for many years who was like... Who was that? She died uh, two years ago. Her name's Penny Allen. Oh, really? Where is that? New York? No, here, actually. She's the most incredible woman. Um, She also ended up being a really... Like one of my closest friends, she was almost eighty when she died. Now, how did, well, let's go back then and, and come back to this. So, how did you start? Tra- how did you start acting? I mean, w- with discipline. You know, how? What was the training? Did you, know, you do a college or? Uh, I acted. You know, in high school, I did all these plays, and I took it super seriously, sure. right? And yeah. I learned all I could learn yeah. and even though you look back and you're like oh, I played Nurse Ratchet at 14 yeah. um, powerful still powerful though, yeah. I, right best Nurse Ratchet <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but at the time yeah. I took it just as seriously as I take my sure. work now yeah. um, so I was you know doing things like that I went to college and I did plays there but then when I was in at Columbia I started to feel like what did you study there I studied English, and okay. I I studied English because I was like, wait, wait, I'm at Columbia. Yeah, I'm gonna learn. I think maybe I should take it yeah. English instead. Yeah. And um, I'm so glad I did. Yeah. Uh, and then, then when I got out, I just started working, and I didn't have a lot of technique. And um, when I made Secretary, Steve Shaneberg, who directed Secretary, was working with Penny Allen, and I didn't know her. Working with her, how? As an as actor? As a director. Oh, a, like, oh, he was asking. She was helping consulting. him. Consulting. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I never met her. I just once heard her voice on an answering machine where he was like, you got to listen to this. <laughs> and she, I guess she'd said something like, oh, no, maybe this is just a story he recounted where she was like, so what is the scene about? She has this really yeah. funny accent, uh-huh. even though she's from Boston. Uh-huh. And he was like, I don't know, maybe it's about, you know, like their interaction or their whatever, like getting to the bottom of their connection. And she was like, no, darling, the scene is about fucking. <laughs> 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 and as I heard, had heard that story about her and I heard her funny voice on the dancing machine and then when I met Peter he worked with her and he introduced me to her and um, I fell in love with her you know she really taught me she does the sort of actor studio technique what's the event of the scene the what event. Are, the event. I can explain to you what that yeah. means. And what what are your needs and what right. are the obstacles to your needs? So the event is the most exciting thing yeah. because the event is basically where you as an actor have some artistic say over what you're doing. Yeah. Here are the words of the scene, but what is it about? Right. What, do you, what needs to happen in the scene no matter how it happens? Right. You could laugh through it. You could cry through right. it. You could do it standing on your head. Right. But what? So, so that's sort of like the 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 conflict or the whatever it is. Well, so no, it, it's, you're, it's you it's could a, you could have a very literal event, like you could say, oh, these people are saying, I, yeah. uh, oh, I want to buy a sandwich. You could yeah. you could they say, well, the event is buying a sandwich. Yeah. Or what I'm more into yeah. is, okay, they're saying they want to buy a sandwich, but really, this scene is an apology. 
Uh huh. So you've got to sort that out. That's a creativity. That's where you get to have a point of view. And then you get to go into, but I only sorted that out a few years ago. Isn't that wild? Yes. I mean, you were six, what, what, one, like six movies in before you did Secretary, really. I mean, like jobbing actress, like in the background kind of movies, you know. But that was the one that broke you, really. That was a big, I remember that got a lot of sort of like, ooh. Yeah. No, (laughs) that was an amazing experience artistically because Steve Shaneberg was like really interested in what was happening with me. Uh-huh. You know, not trying to jam his ideas yeah. only into the piece, but his ideas mixed with mine, mixed with James's. Why did this piece come to us at this moment? Yeah. What, you know, what is it that I need to work through by doing this movie, you know? Um, and all of that was at play in Secretary. Um, and it was, I, it, you took a lot of risks. Yeah. Right? I mean, that was, you, you, I, it, the plot was that your boss, it, it was, what was it that you were? It was a B, like a S and M kind of trip, yeah. right? Yeah, and, 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 it, and it happened organically. It wasn't you weren't doing that going in. No, no, it, the job. It, it turned. It's basically basically it's a love story right. between two people who love each other in a way that's unusual, right? You know, right. and that's yeah. And I, you know, and I mean, yeah, I didn't have a lot of technique. But did did doing that? I mean, because it seems like we're, we're talking about you know transactional sex and about mm-hmm. sex in general. I mean, how did that at that time kind of blow your mind in terms of of the the sort of scope of sexuality? Well, let me put it this way. Actually, yeah. so I had just finished college. Yeah. I was probably twenty two mm-hmm. um, when I made it. I mm-hmm. think, and I had been at Columbia in. 1999, mm. eight, nine, you know, I think yeah. it was 2000 we shot it. And I was studying like feminist literary criticism and like reading half of it and mm-hmm. like going to the, and I, so all that stuff was on my mind. Yeah. I thought, okay, I'm coming in to make this from this. I'm an intellectual. Yeah. I'm a feminist. I know what I'm going to say. And, uh, I would say that is not even close to the most interesting stuff that's happening with me in that movie. Yeah, it's right. all the stuff I didn't have any idea about being right. like a 22-year-old and <laughs> and learning about like being a little bit of a woman. Yeah. And I don't I don't know exactly how that happened. Yeah. But I mean really the point of all of the like technique and everything is how do you let your unconscious into your work? Mm-hmm. How do you just create a space where what's on your mind is both consciously and unconsciously in the work. Right. And I, that happened there. Yeah. And then, you know, you have to be able to ensure that it happens. And yeah. that's where that's it gets the, difficult. That's the job. That's the job. Right. That's right. Huh. You're unconscious getting into you. Well, I mean, that must come, a lot of it must come from experience and being comfortable, like relaxing into the role and not, and not, and not assuming that it's not you in a way. Right, I think it is you. Yeah. Right, and yeah, I was yeah. like, thinking about. <laughs> yeah, Peter has sometimes said, "Oh, I love." He said, "Actually, oh, like Lisa Spinelli and the kindergarten teachers, I just love to take her out." <laughs> 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 but he does. He does take her out. You know. Yeah, so you're um, role playing again. It's. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but like, it's. I think it's not just experience and having. I mean, I think yes, having some experiences yeah. like. So helpful. I think there's also, like, you're sort of asking me, like, there is a craft. Yeah. Sitting down and going, like, what is on my mind? That's part of it. That's within the event. That's within the event. That's right. That's part of it. And then there's another part of just, 
I don't know how you do this part. Yeah. Like just making space for other stuff to bubble up. And, and, and then you don't know till later, oh, wow, isn't that cool that that happened? Because look, it connects to this and it yeah, connects yeah. to that and it's saying this. And, and that I, I'm trying to do the same thing in my writing. Uh-huh. You know, just sometimes just let stuff come up. And then I literally, I'm like, whoa, I can't believe I wrote that because look, well, yeah. 40 pages later, this thing has to happen. And Writing's a, a trip because you really don't know. Like, you know, the, like as you're in it, you re- yeah. things are revealed to you. And yeah. it's a solitary trip. Whereas with acting, you know, you got whoever you're dealing with. Yeah. And, you know, you can surprise yourself in a moment, but it might not have anything to do with you. Yeah. Right? But writing, it's sort of all like kind of like, wow, that kind of like. Look I at think that. it always has to do with you. Yeah. Even, but I, I have been like totally. But it's interactional, And right? that I'm so used to, right? Yeah. You're like, okay, who are you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. In fact, well, I'll tell you that in a second. But yeah, you, you know, you're like trained. I'm yeah. very trained to like interact. Right. That's how we work. Yeah. And even like, okay, you're the director. Okay, I'm going to, what are you going to give me? And how am I also going to make sure I have the space I need to do what I need to do? Right. Uh, and all directors are different. And all directors are different. And so then it's like this constant exercise in interacting with people. Uh-huh. But the pleasure of just sitting by myself at my desk, going the speed I want to go at, <laughs> like taking my time, not having to negotiate yeah. with anybody. Right, right. It's like so right. amazing. Right. But I went to, I was just going to say this thing about being trained to, yeah. um, Interact. You're like, yeah. okay, you're. I have. We're going to do this scene for four hours. That's it. Yeah. I'm going to meet you right now. What's up? You yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I there was this thing in New York recently that was like this opera, mm-hmm. and it was on the High Line. Yeah. And you just walked down the whole High Line, and all these singers and actors in this really trippy way were kind of like looking at you and singing these things, and thousands of them, right? Wow. And both Peter and I, and then my brother went another day, and he said the same thing. It was super intense for me because I kept feeling like I had to like act like sort of meet each of them and like be there for them. And like after like a hundred of them, I was like, okay, you gotta chill out. (laughs) You know, it was like sort of like weird professional courtesy. Like Like we're used to it. You know, you go on set and there's someone who comes in and they've got three lines Uh, and you're like, I'm gonna be right here with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're exhausted. Well, a hundred's a lot. You made it through a hundred. I found I was fighting with myself the whole time not to just like yeah, wow yeah, yeah. that must have been the one day that every singing actor in New York worked <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> it's true they all got a gig for however long that went on for so you got the event and then you've got your needs and then and then what uh, so then yeah so you, let's say it's an apology even though you're talking about sandwiches yeah, yeah. then what do you need you so need you got to learn how to figure that out yes. And that is like the art, exciting, or that's one of the most uh, exciting artistic things. I and then think. you got to ask the director no, or no? no never damn. tell the director. <laughs> never, uh, ever. Good, good. Um, right. Even though, and I still fuck this up where yeah. I'm like, oh, this is such a great idea. I'm yeah, going to yeah. just totally have to tell them. And they always get freaked out. They do? Oh, oh yeah. Oh. Always. You always. can't just, just do your work. No, because I always have really trippy things in there. Well, I've learned from talking directors, a lot of them are like, they hire you to be, because to, you got the part. Right. Yeah, they, they just do it. You right, know, you know, right, right. I hired you for a reason. Don't right. bother me with the, right. yeah. I say don't ever give anyone a chance to tell you no. Ah, yeah. Because people yeah. like to do that, I think. Well, yeah, just do it. And if they go like, cut, can you make an adjustment? 
Yeah, okay. And then every once in a while, the things that they want you to adjust are so exciting. Yeah, it's like, like, that's really good. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, you know. So, do you have you learned a lot from directors? I mean, heading into this 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 project you're doing, I mean, who are the ones that have made an impact on you? Because you've worked with a lot of, like, I didn't even know you work with John Sayles, and that, that must have been kind of a trip. I have learned a lot from directors. I mean, one thing I... One thing I noticed when I was pretending to be a director on TV playing yeah. Candy um, was there'd be times where scenes would be written and she'd be sort of a little sort of snarky with yeah. her actors, get irritated and stuff. And I I always took those same lines and made her kind because I think Candy, like me, <laughs> you know, she's been naked lying on right. the table. Right. Yeah. Oh, that I've seen. I've seen that choice. I've seen you do that in the show. I always do it yeah. unless there's this one guy, this one character who's such a motherfucker. At the end, she's just like, "I'm sorry, but you need to get the fuck out of here." You know, <laughs> yeah. and that's fine too. I mean, of course, you're not just going to get walked all over. But right. I believe that kindness really gets you somewhere with actors. And I, I, so I think like I remember um, Scott Cooper once, uh, who directed Crazy Heart. Oh yeah, you got nominated for that. That's big. That was you were great in that. That's a cool movie. Thanks. I like him. Jeff like, Bridges, Scott yeah. Cooper. Oh yeah. I Jeff mean. Bridges, like it's just like he's he's, he's such a like a uh, kind of like a he's like old hippie, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff is great. I've interviewed him. It was he was exactly oh, how yeah. you think. Like yeah, man. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, I asked him to host a screening of The Kindergarten Teacher recently, and he was like, nope, can't do it. But here's a video of my Buddhist teacher. And the guy was really interesting, and he was wearing a red beret and smoking a cigar. The Buddhist teacher was? Yeah. yeah. So what did Scott Cooper say? So Scott Cooper one day, and we were just getting to know each other, and I was just like, I was standing outside a motel room door, Mm -hmm. and we'd done a couple takes, and he just comes over to me, and he just goes, I I love you. <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, great. Yeah, okay. You know, it just it does help to be loved. Yeah, it sure does. It does yeah. in every way. And I, so I, I don't understand withholding from actors. I yeah. also I know from my own experience, like I don't understand what good it does to like jam your idea into somebody. Right. I think like I I worked um just on a reading uh with um Mike Nichols. Oh really? And um after. One of our rehearsals, he, yeah. Like really, the only note he gave me, I was playing Marie Curie, the physicist, uh-huh. and he was like, "She's feral." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but it was the best note I've ever gotten in my life because, basically, what he's saying is, you cannot go too far. Like anything that that means to you, I've just given you permission to do it. Yeah, and um. What happened to that project? It was a play. Oh, it was a play. It was a play, yeah. Um, and it was uh, we just we performed it at um, Lincoln Center. Yeah, um, as a reading. As a reading. As a, oh, yeah. It was cool. It was an amazing night, actually. Was Who great. else was there? Uh, Liev Schreiber was in it. Yeah. Bill Camp was in it. Oh yeah. Um, that guy. Uh, Marin. Camp. He's like all over right now. Bill Camp. It's true. He's one of those guys where it's like, where's this guy been? And how is he in everything? Now? I knew him when, right. I have to say. He, we did- um, well, theater cats, uh, p- theater people know these people. Yeah, we yeah. did um, Home Buddy Cobble, this amazing Tony Kushner play together twice yeah. here in LA and then also in New York. So I knew him when I was 23. Wow. And so Kushner, that must be a formidable guy to work with. He's amazing. 
Yeah, I mean, I saw Angels and I saw the musical. I'm trying to think if I saw a Homebody oh, Cowboy. A Carolina Change. I loved it. Me too. Why did where did it go? Why isn't I, it done more? I loved it. I think they should do it now. Yeah, time's gone by. I listened to that musical sometimes. I thought it was great. I loved it. Yeah, he's such a sharp guy. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and did to, to make that like to make that musical so deep and like it did something that other musicals don't do. I I don't see a lot of musicals because I end up crying for no reason, which is not terrible, but I don't see a lot of them. When I, there's a lot of people singing, I get choked up just immediately. <laughs> it's I don't so know. Funny, yeah. <laughs> it's weird to sing. It's just a, this release. So it's it's one of those things where it's like I don't have the courage. Yeah. To yeah, to me, singing is so vulnerable. Do you know, I did it. I did, I sang for one night at a, on Broadway last year, almost a year, almost a year ago. Uh, um, they, the roundabout does a fundraiser and they did Damn Yankees, like uh -huh. an old fashioned right, musical. Yeah, yeah. And they asked me to play Lola and I was like, um, I wonder if they ever heard me sing. <laughs> you know? Because yeah. I do sing okay. Yeah, well, that's all you need in a musical. Uh-uh. No, no. <laughs> I think you... But I, I, I actually... I have never had more fun on stage in my entire life. It was amazing. Was it, was, it scary at first? Well, it was... Um, they did about a week of rehearsal, but mm. I for two months beforehand yeah. worked. I must have spent $10,000 on singing lessons. I'm not kidding. Did you, oh, the breathe, how to like breathe how to and, sing and yeah. how to, and I worked so did much it, on it. it also, it was right when Penny died. So I was like, kind of like I missed my, t a teacher. Yeah. So I, I went to this woman all the time and I learned um, so much. And then when it came to the day to do it, yeah. I remember, I felt the switch in my brain yeah. where I was like, oh, I'm going to do this just how I do all my acting. Yeah. I'm not I'm not going to like do it in some not like I was ever going to be like musical right. yeah. but to try to have to be perfect or to try to have to like hit everything and cuz I was dancing with like with like beautiful chorus boys <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding you and and um and I flipped it in my head. I started listening to some like Beyonce and Cardi B. I was like, oh, she's a sex goddess, this yeah. woman I'm playing. Like, let me get a little. And and also my brother wrote me a text because my brother really actually is an incredible singer. And Jake? I actually think my brother actually is like what musicals need. What is, well, tell him to do it. He just did um, Sunday in the Park with George and he was amazing. Yeah. But he's a different level of talent than me in that in that. Uh, in the singing form um, but anyway he wrote me this text right before where he said like, like why do we do this part of why we do this is for the terror and um, like and can you what did he say like can you take all that joy yeah yeah and then I remember I was like, okay, either this is going to be literally the most horrible two hours of my life. It's going to be the same as like holding on by your fingernails yeah. to the edge of a cliff. Yeah. Or I'm just going to fucking do it. Yeah. And I did. It was, and it was heaven. Yeah. I was high off that for weeks. Really? And I was far from perfect. Right. But I was like, um, I literally daydreamed about it for weeks uh, it was heaven that's great can you take all that joy yeah that's a good question in general I have a joy aversion really yeah it just like it seems I, I feel like um, there's a vulnerability element to it like I can be pretty open and pretty vulnerable in, in a conversational way and be myself but I think part of being myself is sort of fending off joy somehow well if you want joy you have to take the terror 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that's what he was saying. Like, yeah. hey, I'm terrified. I'm so scared. But I'm putting myself in this position where there's the possibility of, like, great terror and great joy at once. It's not just on stage. Like, but, but, yeah. But, I mean, a musical is just a vehicle for joy. That's right. I mean, like, it just it's wide open. And, and terror. It, yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, right. The, the scariest thing in the world. Singing. singing and dancing in front of people. I mean, come on. Um, and that's I think that's true of life, too. I get terrified sometimes, just like I believe we all do. And when you, like, get all tight and yeah. push it away, you don't get the joy. I know. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta not get tight. I mean, you know, and then you do, like, and then you remember. Yeah, and you're like, like, I just want a little joy in. Yeah, because I just start, like, any if joy gets in me, I, I just get, you know, I start crying a little bit. Really? I feel it, yeah. Even if it's just happy. I think that's why I have that response to musical, because I'm like stifling this thing. Well, Carolina mm. changed, though, to go back to the Tony yeah. Kushner. I remember seeing an early reading of it. Yeah. And this friend of mine who works with Tony Kushner a lot was sitting next to me. And like early on, there was this line, my father was a clarinet. And then he says, my father played the clarinet. And something about that yeah. poetry. Yeah. I just like started sobbing and my friend who'd seen an earlier reading of the play she just like handed me a tissue in this kind of knowing way like get ready this whole musical is going to make you sob <laughs> yeah. like that so so you just took this penny kind of like she was always there for you like did you use her on every movie kind of deal I just, after a while i started using her on every movie at first no and then you know what happened just was, to clarify your your instincts primarily or I would say there was probably a period where I didn't even let myself have my instincts I was like just tell me how to do it (laughs) (laughs) you know just tell me how to do it and I'll write it down yeah Um, but then of course what's that mean I still got to do it you know in my own way but when we really went deep Penny and me was um Penny and I was when uh she her husband uh was Al Pacino's partner for many years Uh his teacher and he was super sick for a long time and um Penny and I were starting to work on The Honorable Woman, yeah. uh, which is a miniseries I did, which is eight hours, and I had never worked on something that long before. We were just starting to work on it, just getting into it, and I yeah. call her one day, and she's not there for yeah, a time, yeah, yeah. and uh, I call her house, and she says that her husband had just died. Ugh. And I was like, okay, well, obviously we won't work, and she said, all I want to do is work. And so we sort of spoke almost every day for a while, working on this eight-hour-long piece when... Her husband had just died, and that's when she and I just, like, I understood her in a different way. I got my own voice, uh, and she was working through her mourning. Yeah. So the, And that was, the, that was the big shift for you? And... For me, I, was, I think I was 35, yeah. and I felt like um, that's when I learned how to work, how to work. Yeah. How to, like, do the work. Yeah. I learned on that project. And the work since then is way better. Yeah, I you think. can see it. Yeah. You can feel it. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it seems like everything's going pretty good for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel I feel so grateful lately. Yeah? Yeah. That's nice to, to be able to feel that. And so this thing that you're writing that you have 20 more minutes to write on, what's the arc of, of the, what's the timeline on that? Then you got to attach somebody, an actress and that I kind of stuff. I think that's what I'll do. I'll, I'll, you know, I'm sure the script will need a little more work and yeah. that'll be interesting too. Have to, you already been thinking about people? I have been thinking about people, which is such an interesting thing as a fellow actress. Right. And you probably know them and you're like, she could do that. Some of them. And then there's this really interesting thing, which I'm fascinated by, yeah. which is this combination of admiration and envy. 
Wow. Oh, right. That, like you're going to cast this person and you're not doing it. And Well, know. I would not want to do it. No, right? I get but, it. I get but it. Also, but also like just in general, the people who I most admire, I also, to be totally honest, sometimes feel a little envy towards. You like, know? like, well, I mean, I, I don't want to say who I'm thinking of. Well, it would movie, be very but, flattering for them. But no, but like in general. Let's well, say, just, general. just the, the actresses who I think are phenomenal because, again. Of your generation. Of my generation. And also a little older because the character is. Mm-hmm. You know, probably should be around fifty, maybe late forties, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm forty for one more day. I turn forty one tomorrow. Yeah. Um, Exciting! Happy birthday! Thank you. But um, so it's maybe slightly older, but uh, you know, the thing I'm talking about about not sort of jamming my ideas something yeah. down someone's throat, but working with an actress who I feel so much respect for that I'm fascinated to see that's gonna be great. What for they'll you. bring, yeah. Also comes with it probably a little bit of envy. Sure. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And also I think uh, uh, like that terror and that joy thing. I mean, to be in the director's seat and to have to sort of oh, like know the other so side right. of it so well. Yeah. And then have to sort of find a way to work with whoever this amazing person you're going to put in it. But in. I will say I've shadowed some directors on the deuce and I could watch actors acting all day. Yeah. I mean, there are things I find boring. Uh-huh. I don't like watching bad acting uh-huh. without being able to help them or <laughs> say something interesting to them. Um, but but actors, even struggling actors, yeah. Yeah. even actors, because, God, we're struggling all yeah. the time. Sure, you know? yeah. Not I the mean, most confident bunch. But, but uh, you know, like you move through something, watching someone struggle through something and land somewhere different than they thought. And I could watch it all day. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, every take, really? You can just, you can, you just. Yeah. 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 Who are some of the directors you were following over there? Um, Uta Breswitz, uh-huh. who is also a DP. So uh-huh. that was an interesting person to shadow because I, I think the thing I know least about are, are yeah. lenses. And, yeah. Oh, right. Sure. Yeah. Um, That's all. And lighting. Um, I, I didn't officially shadow Michelle McLaren, but I, I did sort of unofficially shadow her. She directed on the first season, the uh-huh. first and the last episode, and I'm fascinated by her and her work. I think she's like a sort of – she was directing these huge television projects at a time when like it was really pretty much a closed door for most women. Uh-huh. And watching the way she kind of maneuvers with all of that stuff on set was really interesting. And what about how's it like you you're you're close with your brother? Mm-hmm. And he, like do you does he do you guys talk about acting? Yeah. yeah. We talk about acting, you know, I find How much what's the age difference? 3 years. I'm 3 years older. Uh-huh. Um and my brother do we talk about acting? Uh like after we've seen each other's work. Right. Or even it's yeah. more of like a kind of a ESP thing. Like I was like I know. I remember seeing him on the street where he was like, I'm just so uninspired. Things are not going well. And I was like, you need to do Sunday in the Park with George. I know he was thinking about it. I was like, do it. When did that run? How did I miss it? How many months did he do on it? It was short. Um, They only meant for it to be short. But uh, it was last winter. Uh Is that right? Yeah. I I just saw the movie he did with Paul and Zoe. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. I liked it a lot. Yeah, me too. He was great in it. He was great in it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. He really um, showed up for work and did, you know, like it's hard to, like those characters where you're expecting kind of something horrible to happen and it's not, they're not really that horrible. Yeah. You, you know, like he just yeah. had problems, but you know, yeah. he, he just didn't know what was going to, there was a menace to it that, that yeah. 
There's an edge to it. And he produced it. Yeah. Yeah, his company. Well, well, good luck with it. Thank you. It's great talking to you. Yeah, great talking to you too. You feel good? Yeah. All right. <laughs> okay. So that was great. I love talking to her. Go uh, watch The Kindergarten Teacher. Watch The Deuce. The uh, Kindergarten Teacher is on Netflix. I think The Deuce is on whatever cable it's on. HBO, is it? And Boulder, Colorado. Tickets go on sale for my March 24th show tomorrow. The link is at WTFpod.com. Okay? All right. I'll play a little guitar. You might rec- You might hear that I've been listening to too much Beastie Boys. Boomer lives.